Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. Today we're going to see how we can increase in our testimonies, how we can increase in learning more about how to use our testimony because they're so powerful and so many people don't really think that they have a testimony, a story, but everybody has a story and it's exciting to somebody. A lot of people may have heard your story a thousand times, but there's that one person who hasn't heard it yet. Don't ever grow tired or weary of telling your story over and over and over again. A lot of people may get tired of hearing your story. It's not for them, okay? They can do something else, but you tell it for the one who hasn't. Have you ever been invited to something that you didn't want to go to? Those obligatory events. Man, I'm telling you, I don't like obligatory events. As a matter of fact, my wife invited me to something I don't want to go to this week. Um, she invited me to go with her to chaperone, what is it, the, is it prom, homecoming, I always get prom and homecoming confused, but I think it's because we never really got to go to our prom, because we were going off to scope out the college that we were going to, we got married really young, she was just getting out of high school, and I was in my first year of college, so we missed the prom, all right? And I don't think we ever went to homecoming or anything like that. But she invited me to that, and she's excited. Well, I don't know if she's excited about it or not, but I'm not excited about it. And I'm like, I don't want to go, but I, well, I'm not going to commit yet, okay? I'm, I'm praying about it. I'm still praying about it, okay? I did go last year with her, but I'm still praying about it. But we've all had these things that we've been invited to that, We don't want to go to, and sometimes we might say no, but a lot of times we do attend out of obligation. And I remember my salvation experience was born out of an invitation that we didn't want to go to. My family was just a good old (laughs) redneck family from Mississippi. We were so backwards spiritually. We were pagans practically, like we were not saved. And the party house, many of you guys have heard this story, but the party house across the street from the parsonage, you know what the parsonage is, right? That's that little house that the preacher lives in. Thank God we don't have one of those. That's that little house. I mean, it's literally right next to the church. You can walk out the church and walk into your back patio, you know? And so the pastor would come across the street and invite all the drunks to church that were cleaning up the beer bottles and whiskey bottles from the night before. He's over there cleaning up his yard or washing his car, and he'd walk across the street and invite my family to church. And we were at our friend's home. It wasn't our home. And we would go over to help them clean up all of the stuff. Well, I'm the child of these party animals, you know? So we're out there just doing our thing, and 
So the pastor would over and over and over and over. And it's like when you see him coming, you just dread it because you know what he's coming to do. He's coming to invite you to church. And it's like you're trying to dart and hide and all of that. Nevertheless, my mom one day, unbeknownst to anybody in our car, anybody in our family, decided that we're going to just go so the man will shut up. And so we're in the car. You know how the story goes if you've been around here. But there are a few people that have never heard this story today. We're in the car, my, I'm 10, oh, sorry, my, my sister's 10, I'm 15, and my parents, my dad just happened to be with us that day. He's normally working, but he was with us that day. And I heard him say to my mom, I didn't know any of this went on, I heard him saying to my mom, why did you tell him we're coming to church? And my ears perked up, and I'm like, I'm not going to church, you know, mouthy teenager in the back. I'm not going to church. My mom said, we're all going to church. Like, why well, ain't going to the church? <laughs> Guess where I was the next day in church? Man, it was berserk town. Those people were some happy Holy Ghost filled people. And I mean, they were just going to town. This is the, the church that I met my wife in. All right, she's one of those crazy folks. Yeah. So we walk in, my family that day, I'm speeding this story along for you. That day, my family. My sister and I, we are making fun of people speaking in tongues like somebody spoke in tongues like you, Alan, to, in that. My sister and I are making fun of that. We're like, you know, we're back there doing things like we're, I'm telling you, dude, God should have struck us dead. But we didn't understand any of that. And we're like, these people are berserko. And this lady, she takes off running around the building the other day. And, and uh, Teresa, I saw you running uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago. This lady, she takes off, uh, which I love that, by the way. Um, but this lady, she takes off running around the building. And I'm going, these people are nutso. Like, we need to get out of here. Like, they're, I know they're fixing to burn somebody at the stake soon. So, my mom and dad, when it's time for the very end, we, again, I have no concept of what a church service looks like. I have no clue. I'm not churched. And so everybody stands up and I'm like, thank God it's time to go, these people. And so we get up, everybody starts kind of moving out in the aisles. And so my sister and I, we dart out the door. We want to be getting out of here as quickly as possible. We turned around and we're the only one outside in the foyer. We're like, where is everybody? We go and look back in the windows of the doors, and everybody is kind of down front, and my mom and dad are down there with like this. I've never seen them in that position before. I've seen a few of my brothers in this position. It was more like this, but I'm not joking. Like, but I'm like, only time people have their hands in the air like that is when they're surrendering. Little did I know, my parents were getting saved. And they were surrendering. And they got radically saved. That day until this day, I've never not been in church. That invitation radically changed my life. I didn't want it to change my life. I tried to get out of it for weeks to come. I'm like, oh, I can't go today. I'm so sick. I got diarrhea. I got throw, I've been throwing up. I just, and my mom would just say, get up, put your clothes on. We'll take you down to the preacher. He'll lay hands on you and he, God will heal you. I mean, she knew I was lying anyway. But... I believe she had faith that God would heal me. They just got radically saved. 
because someone invited them. Not one, not two, not three, not five, not ten, but innumerable times. Thank you, God, for Charles Jolly, pastor of that little church, who incessantly invited my parents because it changed my life. I'm standing here. We're in this building. Our ministries around the world are because that guy, that guy, that guy, and that invitation, and how important it was to me. And so, for the sake of this series, we're talking about our testimony. It's just a story of how God stepped in and changed me through his son, Jesus. That's part of my testimony, what I just told you. God stepped into a bunch of redneck, drunks, lives, party people, didn't want anything to do with God. We weren't looking for God. We were fine, or so we thought, without him. But God stepped into our life because God had a different plan for us if we would accept it. My testimony is an invitation for others to experience the glory of God. See how I just shared that story? That's just part of my story. Wonder what yours sounds like. Wonder what yours is. I invited you to participate in the life-altering, life-changing glory of God when I shared that story. And you see how God took some old rank sinners and out of the family, one of those is pastor of a church that is preached on multiple continents in multiple countries because somebody invited his mama to church. Don't you see the glory of God in that? That there are churches built in other nations because of that man's obedience. Come on, man. There are other people in other nations that have experienced signs and wonders because of that man's obedience. Don't you see the glory of God in that? Listen, there's three things that Jesus shows us about inviting people. Jesus was constantly inviting people in three things. Number one, look at this uh, verse. In Matthew chapter 11, it, we, we sang a lot about this verse this morning. Then Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and, and uh, carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. So he's saying, come, and I'm going to give you something in exchange. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my voice is easy to hear. Come on, uh, uh, or my yoke is easy to bear. And the burden that I give you is light. My yoke is easy to bear. Mm. Let us have your yoke, the, the rabbi's teaching. That's what that is. The yoke is the rabbi's teaching. In this scripture, where Jesus is inviting the weak, the weary to him, he teaches us that there's three things about inviting people. One, there's value. Value in God and value in people. Value what's inside the house and outside the house. So listen to this. As I'm talking to you today, I want to talk to you about the power of your invitation. Did you know that uh, I, I, I'm taking uh, this 
research at its word, okay? I didn't do the research. This is somebody else's research. But George Barna of the Barna Research Group says that 29% of church people, that's us, 29% of us invite others regularly to church. That's not even a third of the church. Think about that. 29% of people invite others to church. That's really important because Jesus was constantly inviting people. Like if we're going to be like Jesus, we got to begin to cultivate a culture of invitation. And Jesus tells us there's three things. One is value. Like when you you don't value something, I, I'm not going to invite somebody into something I don't value. But man, when I value it, I'm going to tell others about it. If there's a product that I value because I'm like, dude, this cost me 15 bucks. But look at what it did. I'm going to tell others about it. This morning, Josh was telling me about this incredible sale that they found. And so he's, he's telling us, he's, what is he doing? He's inviting us to go get that same deal. When you value what's on the inside, see, when it comes to inviting people, other people don't value this house. I share just a little bit to you uh, about like, do you see the first Corinthians model happening here in this church? You don't see that everywhere. I'm not dissing other places. You just don't see that everywhere. Other places are not comfortable with that. They're just not, you know, blah, blah, blah. But when you value this house, you, you value it, you will want to share that with others. But you've got to value this house because others don't value this house. When it comes to the power of your invitation, other people, people who we, we would call sinners, People that have not experienced God yet, they're not sitting around on their boats today down at the Gulf going, I really need to get in church. You know, I passed that church right there by the school. I really should check that place out. It doesn't mean nobody's doing that, but by and large, people are just, they're fine where they are. They're not thinking about God you know, they're experiencing the trappings and all of the trimmings of that life. That's what we were doing as sinners before we came to Christ. We were just partying at the house across from the parsonage. And so, anyway, people, they're not sitting around thinking about church. People who are not churched are not sitting around. They don't even see the value in it. Do they see the value, you know, in you? Changes in you, changes in me, that it's like, dude, what's going on in your world? Because, you know, I know what you've been through, but it didn't seem to affect you. Or what's going on in your world? Because, like, you're, you're never in a, you know, foul mood like the rest of the people that we work with. What's going on in your world? Do they see a value in you that you really do live this stuff out? In other words, like, we're being the light of the world, the salt of the earth. But you've got to value this house. I'm telling you what, man, I am sold out to Destiny Church. Now, the body of Christ, yes, but this is my local expression. This is my local expression. I love this church more than I love City Hope Church, but I love City Hope Church. I love this church than any of the church plants that we are currently helping in ministry. 
I love this church more than I love those church. Why? Because this is my local church family. This is my hub. I value this house. When we value this house and what we experience in this house, we're going to want to share that. That should be something. And if it's not, I'm, ex- I'm, I'm asking you and I'm challenging you to begin to take this on as your persona. That it's like, man, let's start telling people about what's going on in this house And I'm going to teach you how to do that and the right timing. And we're not wanting you to go out and tomorrow just go invite, you know, 80 people to church. We're not talking about that. you got to stick with me. All right? So Jesus, he says, you've got to value what's inside. You've got to value the temple. You've got to value the house. But you also have to value people. Now listen to me. This might sound like a harsh statement. If you really just don't like people, I'm not asking for a show of hands. I'm not even trying to be funny. And I know there are people in here like that. You just don't like people. Now, you might like some people. But by and large, you just don't like people. You need to get over that. You need to get over that. It's not Christ-like. It's not the heart of God. You need to like people. You need to like people. Stick with me for a second. But I don't like her. She's ucky, yucky. She's got a bad attitude. She's, you can't trust her. She lied on me at work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to see past all of that. You got to look at her through Jesus' eyes. Look at her as a person that one day they're going to spend an eternity in heaven or hell. And the lie that she told on you at work is petty compared to her eternal soul. Like, we got to begin to think about people as in, you know, you going to heaven, you going to hell. You going to heaven, you going to hell. You going to heaven, are you going to hell? Are you going to heaven, are you going to hell? Are you going to heaven, are you going to hell? Are you going to heaven, are you going to hell? Everybody in this room is going to spend an eternity in one of those two places. And the second one is not pleasant. We got to start thinking about those things and, and, and a love for humanity. A love for humanity. Most of the time we're repulsed by humanity. We're repulsed by the Super Bowl shows. Well, that's what they do. We're repulsed by the people in the bar. Well, that's what people that don't know Jesus do. We're repulsed by people and their political views and blah, blah, blah. We're repulsed by that. And it's like, man, we got to stop seeing people in spite of what's right in front of me. we got to start seeing people from an eternal perspective. So there's value there. Jesus saw value in every person. Look at this. He says there's an invitation. So obviously people aren't going to come if they're not invited. You know, you have to invite people. Invite them where? Well, we'll get to that in just a second. Because I'm going to talk to you about five invitations that our testimony uh, creates for us. But there has to be an invitation. The scripture says this. I read it a few weeks ago. How? How will they be saved if they never hear the gospel? How will they hear the gospel if there's nobody to ever tell them about the gospel? In other words, Jesus is saying, 
there's gotta be an invitation. Hey man, will you listen to this story? Hey man, I hear what you're saying. Let me tell you about this. Why don't you come to this? Why don't you experience this? There's gotta be an invitation. And then throughout Matthew chapter 11, which is on the screen, you'll see Jesus said, come to me ye who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I'll give you rest. Jesus will give you something in return. Whenever you come, you never come without leaving with something. Martha Stewart says this. Everybody knows Aunt Martha? <laughs> my name's Rife Stewart. She's really not my aunt. But, but Martha Stewart says this. Never let anyone leave your house without you having a gift for them. Now, I don't do this. But it's really a cool idea. And so she would have like these little packaged soaps or something. And she's always got them. They're just right at her door. And she's like, when people leave my house, I always put something in their hand and send them on their way. I'm telling you what, Jesus is very much like Martha Stewart. Anytime you come to Jesus, he's going to put something in your hand. There's going to be an investment. He says, come and I'll give you rest. Come to me, you who are thirsty, and I'll give you something to drink. Come if you're my disciples and I'll give you the keys to the kingdom. So there's these three things. I want you to look in John chapter 1. And let's go there real quickly. In John chapter 1, I'll set it up for you. Jesus is calling his first disciples. Now right now, the ministry of Jesus has one person. And it's Jesus. I guess you could sort of say it's three in one. But it's really one. He has got no followers yet. He has no disciples. And so we're about to find where he's calling his first disciples. And man, you could get super deep into this, the type of people he called and, you know, where they were and all these kind of things. But look at verse 35. The following day, John, the Baptist, was again standing with two of his disciples. So Two of his disciples, these are John's disciples. He's investing in them. He's mentoring these guys, all right? And as Jesus walked by, John says, look at him. Look, the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. See, I love this because John is about to lose two of his disciples. Come on, man. If this was a church crowd of pastors, I'd be tearing this up. But see, y'all just regular old church folk. This probably don't mean as much to y'all as it does a group of pastors. But here John is, man. He's just trying to build a ministry. He really wasn't. See, John was secure in who he was. John knew my role is to point others to him. Just point others to him. I'm to raise them up and point them to him. And so John, he, man, I tell you what, some preachers nowadays, if they saw Jesus walking by and Jesus has his, a ministry, a contemporary, he's got his ministry and they've got their ministry and uh, he, here he comes by, I promise you there'll be some pastors that'll be like, look, <laughs> look, look. And they're like, looking where, where Jesus is passing by over here. And he's like, look, 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 look over there. Isn't that, you know, whatever. Because they don't want him to see Jesus. They don't want him to follow Jesus. They don't want to lose. But here we go. And they leave John's ministry. And they transfer over to Jesus' ministry. All right? So look at this. Let me find my place. Um, verse 38. 
Jesus looked around and saw them following. And he said, what do you want? (laughs) He asked them. They replied, Rabbi. So they already recognized him as a teacher. They're like, Rabbi, where are you staying? Man, how would... How would we react today? Like somebody comes up, where y'all staying at? Man, I don't even know you. I don't know you like that. I ain't telling you where I live. But they said, where are you staying? Where are you staying, Rabbi? And look at his comment. Come and see. Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon um, when they went with him to the place where he was staying. And they remained with him the rest of the day. Hey, pastor, where, where are you staying at? Uh, mm, you know. Can we get together? You know, let me see when we can work it in. Uh, Jesus just invited them. He just invited them. Because he valued them. He valued them. And it's like. Man, it's getting late. No, man, it's already about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And when they went to the place where they're staying, they remained with him for the rest of the day. Man, these folks ever going to go home? Are you following me? Are you following me? Like, are they ever going to go home? Are they ever going to leave? Y'all had people in your house like that. I had some of y'all in my house like that. I'm like, are they going to go home? (laughs) Verse 40. Andrew, so we're fixing to get the name of the the guys that are following him. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said, and then he followed Jesus. And Andrew went to find his brother, Simon. All right, so get this. Andrew is following. Like, he's one of those. There were two of them. We don't even know the other one's name. I'm sure we can find it out somewhere in Scripture, but right here we don't know his name. But Andrew stuck out, and what does he do? He immediately goes and gets Simon Peter, and he says to his brother, he says, looking intently into Simon, because his name wasn't Peter yet, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. So, I mean, I want you to look at what's happening here. When Andrew starts following Jesus says, come follow me. They go experience God. See, they had an experience with him. And then when when they had that experience, Andrew's like, I gotta go tell Peter about this. Well, Simon, I gotta go tell Simon about this. I gotta go tell Simon, Simon, you gotta come. We've all been looking for the Messiah. I think we found him. Come on, man, you gotta go. All right, so anyway, they go and find, and the very first thing, Jesus is like, man, he's looking at him, and he's like, yeah, like, Amy, if you were one of the... Amy, hmm, Amy, that's a nice name, but I think I'm going to call you Naomi from now on. (laughs) What? What? Like, you don't just get to change my name. Hey, dude, he does get to change our name. I'm telling you what, man, we need to just let him change our name from broke to fixed. We need to get from anxious to peaceful. We need to let him change our identity. And so he just changes, but... He never would have changed him if Andrew had not invited him. And if Andrew had not been invited by Jesus and given into the invitation. So you see the pattern here? All right. So look at this. 
Then Andrew, he brought Simon, yeah, 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 verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip. Man, he's on a mission. And he said to him, again, he's making an invitation, come follow me. And Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Simon Peter's hometown. And Philip went to look for Nathaniel, all right? Are you following me? Like, now, uh, it's like, dude, it's multi-level marketing. Jesus, he would be awesome at that, you know? He's getting all these people under him. He's going to be rich. So now, boom, 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 he's up to three. And Nathaniel, what does he do? Uh, or, sorry, Philip, he went to look for Nathaniel. Dude, they are doing incredible on this uh, MLM stuff. And he told him, we found the person, man. We found Moses, the one that Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name's Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. And look at what Nathaniel says. Nazareth? Are you serious? Silver Hill? Could anything good come from Silver Hill? Like, that's right over there next to Cooterville, Alabama. Like, are you serious? He says, could anything good come from Nazareth? All right? He's like, no, dude, come on. Not, sure, not the Messiah. And then this is what Nathaniel said, or, or Philip said. Come and see for yourself. Like, if, I get it if you don't believe me. Just come see. He's not trying to sell him. He's like, just come see. And if, you, if it, it ain't for you, if you don't believe we're right, then fine. All right? But look at what happens, man. Woo, I love this. So, Philip, uh, let me get down here. Uh, 46, I believe. Nazareth, could anything come good from Nazareth? Come and see. Verse 47. As they approached Jesus, this is what he said to Nathaniel. Now, here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity Jesus must not have heard what he just said he's like man he was talking trash about you Jesus you did not hear what he said he's like he was dissing you he's like could anything good come from Nazareth what does Jesus do when he sees Nathaniel coming like he's got a word of knowledge like he's already seen yeah right so remember what, what are the three things Jesus is showing us that we, we have in inviting people? Value. He values this guy. All right? There's an invitation. So he, there's an invitation. He's inviting, he's inviting him into his posse, his group, his entourage. So he's inviting him in. But not only is he inviting him in, he's investing in him. He's like, look, look at here. The man, the myth, the legend. Come on in, Nathaniel. He's like, how do, you, how, how, do you, how, do, how do you know me? How do you know me? And Jesus gives him a word of knowledge. He's like, man, I saw you. I saw you were, when you were under the tree. I saw you when you were being invited. And I want you to look. See, what happens is Nathaniel is having a supernatural prophetic moment and experience here. That's why our churches have to be experiential. See, Everybody else has gotten enough of the three cute little poems and all of those little, you know, uh, self-help things. Honestly, you don't even need any, any preachers for that. With the internet and all of, I mean, I, I see more inspirational stuff in one day on Facebook. I see a lot of junk, too. But there's, 
inspirational quotes from incredible leaders in one day from people who are not on any platform. You only used to hear that from preachers. Now it's everywhere and everybody sees it. And what happens is we become immune to that stuff. I'll see people posting stuff and it's like, man, you don't even live by that stuff. Like, it, start living by that stuff. What's happening? It's, it's, it's just noise. We don't believe these things or we don't live by them. That's why experience is very important. Like, we worship him in spirit and truth. There's, yes, we want what we're experiencing here today to be truthful, but we also want there to be an experiential part. And what Nathaniel experienced right here, he's experiencing a prophetic word from the prophet himself, and that prophetic word is building him up. It's bringing life into his spirit. And Verse 48, how do you know me, Nathanael asked. And Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathanael said, Rabbi, you're the son of God, the king of Israel. See, I, I'm, just, I'm just wanting you to put the picture and the puzzle and all the pieces together. I'm not sure that prophetic word would have had as much impact on Nathanael. If, they had not, if he had not heard the story first. Let's just back up and say, Philip never had that conversation with him. He never told him, I think we found the Messiah. Just come and see for yourself. I, what, let's just say none of that happened. And he's just walking through and Jesus is like, look at here, man. There's a true son of Israel right there. A man of true integrity. I wonder if he would have just, now this is just conjecture. I just wonder, would he have walked by like, yeah, appreciate it, thank you. But see, he had heard a testimony. There's a power in our testimony. There's power in it because, hey, I know you. I hear what you're saying. Not sure I completely am on board yet, but I'm gonna go see for myself. So if there's a building in this. See, Nathaniel already had an idea of what to expect because Philip had already built it up. Like, man, we're going to see the Messiah. Wait, they didn't tell him we're going to see the emperor, didn't tell him we're going to see a you know, great artist, didn't tell him we were going to see any of that. The Messiah, they... He knew who the Messiah was. He knew what the Messiah's purpose was. He knew the characteristics of the Messiah. So as he's getting ready to go, that wasn't weird to him. He had, he had some foreknowledge of what he was about to experience. And this is going to be important when I talk about the five invitations here in just a minute. He says, Nathaniel explained, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Like, I really, really believe this. And Jesus asked him, do you believe it? Just because I told you I had seen you under the fig tree? Man, you'll see much greater things than that. Then he said, I tell you the truth. You will all see heaven open and angels of God going up and down on the son of man. The one who is the stairway between heaven and the earth. There's the investment, guys. There's the investment. He's like, listen, do you believe this because, just because of what I told you? Or do you really believe that? He's like, I'm telling you the truth. Because if you believe that, oh my God, 
the things that you are going to experience, the things you are going to see. I'm going to invite you into a prophetic realm that everybody is not going to be able to go there. Everybody's not going to be able to experience that. But I'm going to invite you into a place simply because you said yes. I'm telling you, man, this is beautiful. So my testimony is an invitation for others to experience the glory of God. I want to share with you five invitations as I try to wrap this up. Hunter, would you come? There's five invitations. Number one, there's an invitation. Invite people into your home. Man, my home, I'm trying to get my floors redid, and I'm trying to get my bathroom right. Listen, it doesn't matter what your house looks like. Well, it sort of does, you know. I mean, at least clean it up, you know. Invite people into your home. Don't wait until you get a mansion. That may be longer than that person can wait. Invite people into your home. I just, pastor, that's my place. That's my special place. You know what? The Lord giveth, and God forbid the Lord taketh away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. That's the Lord's house. If he's Lord, is he Lord of your life or is he not? Because if he's Lord of your life, then your car is the Lord's. Your house is the Lord's. Your money in the bank, that's the Lord's too. The clothes you got on. I bought this at TJ Maxx on sale. No, 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 no. That, that's the Lord's. There's even scripture to back that up. Somebody asks you for your coat, take your shirt off, give it to them too. Invite people to your home. Invite people in your residence. Invite people for, to come, sit down, have a meal with you, to get to know you, to have conversations with you. I'm tr- trying to show you how to invite people. Well, I'm going to invite some people to church. Don't invite people to church. Just cold call, cold turkey. All right? We're not trying to grow a church. Do you Look around and see empty seats. Do you see empty seats? Yes. 40% of our church did not come back after COVID. And, and some of that was COVID related and some of it wasn't. But the point is they're not here. Like... This is the greatest falling away. We shouldn't be surprised. The scripture tells us that's happening. Guys, we're in the end times. We are in the end times. There's a great falling away. Our church is, we are not a post-Christian nation, but we're on the verge of being that. Canada is already post-Christian. Europe is already post-Christian. We are on the verge. That'll never happen in the United States. Shut your mouth and wait and see. There will be a remnant that will always remain. But as long as the church continues to operate in the state that we are operating right now, I prophesy it and guarantee that we will be a post-Christian nation if we stay where we are now. You got to do something, man. Invite people into your home. Invite people. Where did Jesus take them? He's like, hey, Jesus, where are you staying? Man, I can meet you down at whatever. I can meet. Dude, invite people into your home. They need to see what your home life is like. They need to be at a place of safety and security. They might tell you something in your house that they might not tell you at, you know, the coffee stop, uh, shop or the, where, where, the golf course or whatever. Invite people in your home. As a matter of fact, if you're an elder of a church, 
it, Paul tells Titus and Timothy that that's actually one of the benef- uh, one of the not benefits criteria that you got to be able to have people in your home, man. Why? Because in your home is where the best relationship begins to form. All right, invite people into relationship with you. Invite people into relationship with you. Uh, make sure. Uh, yeah, sorry about that. I got trigger happy. Invite people into relationship with you. Pastor Rife, I just don't like people. Yeah, remember, you got to pray about that. You got to pray about that. I just don't trust people. You got to pray about that too. I've been hurt. I've been let down. You got to pray about that. Those are all tactics of the enemy to keep you from your destiny and God's plan for your life. Like, he's stealing from the kingdom because he's used this weapon of hurt to shut you off from being salt and light. Listen, you can't be salt and light in this room. We're all supposed to be salt and light in here. Supposed to be salt and light out there. Invite people into relationship with you. Oh, yeah, but what if they're those real annoying people that, you know, I'm like, listen, everybody's not going to be your best buddy. Everybody's not going to be your closest friend. I can't be friends with everybody in here at the level I am with some people. Why? There aren't enough hours of the day. And if I were to do that, I'd have to schedule somebody else out. And you wouldn't get to see me except maybe once every 60 or 80 days. We're not supposed to be everybody's close friend. Jesus wasn't everybody's closest friend. Uh, uh, Peter, James, and John were his three closest friends. And then beyond that, the 12 disciples. And then beyond that, 70 starts getting too big. And he's like, man, you know, he wasn't everybody's closest friend. But he was in relationship with them to some degree. You know, that's a whole other message about what level of relationship people are. But invite them into relationship with you. Here's the reason why. People don't care how much you know about God. They don't care how much you know about whatever. They want to know how much you care. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And you cannot show them you care if they really don't have any relationship with you. Invite people into spiritual conversations. I'm not talking about debates. I had a guy to sit down with me one time. Man, I got to hurry. I had a guy sit down with me one time, and he was, man, he was trying to bait me into this conversation over supernatural gifts and stuff like that. And, and he, was, uh, he was like, man, don't you want to talk about it? And I just said, no. He was like, I said, because we have different views. And he's like, yeah, man, but I love this stuff. I love to debate. And I said, I don't. I said, I can clearly see I'm not going to change your mind. I just want to enjoy my dinner. So... Whatever your view is, you're welcome to your view. That wasn't a spiritual conversation to me. But there are going to be times where there are spiritual conversations that you can have with people. And you need to begin to have spiritual conversations with people. And spiritual conversations don't have to be deep theologically. They're just spiritual. And this has opportunities for you to listen to them and what they're going through and Say, man, let me just tell you what Jesus did for me in a situation that's similar. Boom. Testimony time. All right? Don't turn it into, you know, the Rife Stewart hour, and I'm talking about me for an hour from now. No, you just briefly tell the testimony and point it right back to them. God can do this for you too. 
Why don't you come to church with me and see? Why don't you come to my men's group and see? Why don't you come to this small group that we're having for women and see? Why don't you come to this blah, 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 whatever, whatever? Have some spiritual conversations with people. Number four, invite people to church with you. Invite people to church. Like, do you see? Invite people to church is not number one. It's not number one for a reason. Because people don't want to be your project. People don't want to be your spiritual uh, project. Like, you know, you're on a mission to get them saved. They don't care about that. They want to know, do you care about them? Build a relation with me first. Like, don't try to get me into heaven right away. Like, inside, we could be like, oh my God, I cannot wait till you're building, you're building, you're building, you're building. You're just building a relationship with them. Invite people to church. Invite them, take advantage of things. Take advantage of things like men's groups and prayer groups and women's pool parties. And, you know, they may not come to your uh, glory fire intercession night 24-7 weekend prayer event. But, man, we having tacos and pool. You want to come to that? Yeah, I can commit to that. And then they just begin to build relationship. Walls come down. They start feeling comfortable. You know, begin to share. Invite people to church. What if they say no? That's the number one reason why people won't invite. Um, Did you know that Lifeway Research says 80% of the people you invite will come to church if you come with them? Like if you say, hey, will you meet me and be my guest? We're going to sit together. Let's go out to dinner after church. 80% will come. Now here's another statistic because there's lots of statistics. 80% will come, but they will not come on the first invite. They won't come on the second invite. They may not come on the third invite. They may not come on the fourth, the fifth, the sixth. The average is it takes seven invitations for people to come. 80% of the people will come, but it takes seven invitations for you to get them there. But they will take you up. And when you begin to build relationship with them, they will come. You also need to get comfortable with people saying no. No, man, I don't think so. Man, I ain't into that. Nah, I don't think so. Man, I got to go to the uh, funeral. I got to go, blah, blah, blah. Listen, Jesus got rejected all the time. Mark chapter 10, the scripture says that that rich young man that was coming to Jesus, the scripture says this, look at the three things that we're supposed to have, love, invitation, and investment. Mark chapter 10, I don't know if it's 25 or somewhere around there, says, and Jesus looked at him with compassion. He had love for the guy. He told him, if you'll just do this and come follow me, Jesus invited him. That man, we don't even know what his name is, and we never hear from him again in the scripture. He could have been one of the 12 disciples or 70 or whatever. We never hear from him again. And he went away sadly. He said no to Jesus because he loved his stuff more than he loved Jesus. So Jesus got rejected. You need to get comfortable with the words no. Can't make it. Not gonna. And you should not accept no for an answer. I'll teach you more about this later when we have more time. 
but you shouldn't accept no for an answer. Here's your answers. Hey, Craig, love you to come to our men's fellowship or whatever, blah, you know. Man, I don't think so. I just don't like, you know, I'm kind of an introvert. Are you sure? Because, man, we're going to, nah, I, he's shutting me down, man. He's just shutting me down. Well, man, we have those things once a, a quarter, maybe the next time. See, I didn't, I didn't accept his no. I left it out there, and he knows I'm going to ask him again. All right? All right, you follow me? So you don't just accept the no. Well, man, just think about it. And if you change your mind, let me know. So I'm not accepting his no. I'm giving him an alternative. Are you following me? Okay? Invite people to church with you. This is the last one, and I'm going to give you the takeaway points of how you can apply this. Invite people into relationship with Jesus. Men, do you know the Lord? Do you know the Lord? Is he your Savior? Pastor Reif, what? Yeah. Like, we need to be doing that. We're not going to talk. We're going to, all next week, that's what we're going to talk about. The whole message is on sharing the gospel of Christ. Not only that, but we are also going to be having a small group coming up soon where we're going to teach people how to share your testimony how to witness to people, and how to share the gospel because that's so scary to most Christians, all right? So how can we activate this? Number one, pray for a burden for souls and suffering. Those who are suffering, going through hell in their life. Pray for a burden for those people. Like so many times, I've said this out of my own mouth, man, some of these people are so needy. Yes, come to me, all you who are weary, all you who are weak, all you who are needy. Pray for a burden. I can't say I always have a burden for needy people. Pray for a burden. Like it's a, it's a weight that I feel that people need to be saved. People need to be shown the beauty of God and the Jehovah Jireh. He's the provider. Here's the second thing. Pick up some cards that we have for you outside. Um, I thought I had one up here with me somewhere, but you see a picture of it right there on the screen. We've got some of these cards, some invite cards. I'd like for you to take some of those. Now, don't take them if you, don't, if you know you're not going to share it. But I'm going to turn you into a sharer sooner or later. But today, if you're like, yeah, I ain't a sharer yet, then don't take any of those cards. Take some when you really turn into an inviter. Take some cards and be prepared. Have something there. On the front of it, it says, this could change your life. This could change your life. It changed my life. Somebody who wasn't looking for God, it changed my life. And those are out in the foyer. They're going to be out there. It's a full-time, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year display. That it'll be out there and we'll replenish it as we need it. And then here's the last thing. Plan to join a small group that we've got coming up soon on witnessing. Because I want to equip you on how to share your story without it being religious and starchy and churchy. It's just super conversational.